there is only one true way to be enlightened and entertained with the best sports knowledge. That way is the American way. Welcome to the American Way podcast. Here's your host, Amir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to another episode of The American Way. I'm here joined today by my main man, Jake Jensen. Uh, I believe you can catch him on on thousand t- uh, 10,000 Takes podcast. Uh, how are you doing today, Jake? Oh, I'm not too bad. There's a lot of news happening, as I'm sure you're aware of. Uh, so, you know, kind of didn't really sleep last night. was kind of excited for this, so... I've just been really, you know, uh, watching and paying attention and trying to text people to see what's happening, but um, a nice little off day here, which is rare, so uh, I appreciate you for having me on. No problem, yeah, it's it's a wild day, excuse the pun, but it's already already a lot of big names off the board in NHL free agency, you know, the Wilder, they have some cap space, it, it's sort of deceptive, you look at it, it's like, it was like 29 mil, a million, but... Some a good chunk of it's gonna have to go to to the thrill and to a Fiala. So it's, it, it was interesting to see. Obviously, a lot of holes to fill. I I have my thoughts on the why they let why they bought out Suter when they did, but that's 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 for another day and another time. But I guess so far, the reports they've signed uh, Alex Galagoski from Arizona, from Arizona, Minneapolis native. And it looks like they signed a, a Freddie Godro. Looks like there were some rumors about Nick Foligno. I'm not sure if that's still going to happen. But what are your, I guess, what's your thoughts so far on just the landscape of the NHL free agency so far and on the wild? What's, what's, what's your initial thoughts in these first two hours? Well, I think the biggest one is Philip Grubauer leaving Colorado and heading over to the Seattle Kraken. That one shocked me. Um, I thought for sure, just knowing some people within that organization and players and stuff, that they were going to re-sign him and get that done and keep the same team going forward. Um, but obviously that wasn't the case, and apparently six years, 5.9 uh, per was too much for them. So, you know, they will. Ex- I, I don't feel like they're going to sign a goalie. Uh, I feel like they're going to go out and trade for one, potentially. Um, uh, this is just speculation. I don't have any sources on this one or anything, but I would assume that they'll probably be interested in Darcy Kemper now, um, a guy that is available by the Coyotes. Uh, so that's interesting for sure. That's something to keep an eye out on. And uh, as for the Wild, um, pretty much just what they thought, right? So uh, it's been rumored for a while now that they were going to go out and get Alex Goligoski to play with uh ryan or sorry not ryan Suter in place of ryan Suter with uh, jared spurgeon they went out and did that one year uh five million i think that's a good deal just because it's based on one year and they can sign him afterwards uh and then they went out and got freddie goudreau who i actually really liked with his time in nashville he played for pittsburgh last year uh, but apparently when he was in nashville he had a connection with coach dean avison as he was his head coach and uh right-handed 
bottom six center, so you can't have enough of those, especially with a bunch of them leaving. Um, one of the guys that I actually really like is Jake McCabe. He signed for four years, four million per. Yeah, with uh, Chicago. With the, yeah, with the Chicago Blackhawks, um, and. A lot of people say that's an overpay. I think he's worth that. The Wild couldn't afford it, so we'll see what they do going forward. Now, as the day's still young. Yeah, I know. I've been, I've been following a good, our our mutual friend of the program, Mister Russo. I've been following him, and I know he had been reporting for weeks. As I'm sure you've probably been knowing that they were looking for a lot of defensemen. They wanted McKay, but I think they were only going to offer him one year, because because of the situation at their end with the large dead cap hit. Like these guys, they could only offer them one year. So I know that they were offering. They also had interest in Zach Bogosian. So they wanted him. Looks like they actually offered him more money than Tampa did. But he went back to Tampa. He won a he won a cup in Tampa, and he he left for Toronto. Now he's going back to Tampa. So it's very interesting. They have you have a it's probably a win now, probably a win now team, but they have a lot of holes. And not a lot of room going forward. So I know Golagoski looks like, sounds like they might try and extend him after January when they can. But um, I get, I get, from your perspective, what do you, what's your perception about him? I know he was a good player when he's younger. He's looks like he, he's still, he was still uh, getting top four minutes with Arizona last year. But he's getting up there in age. Like, what, what's, what's your thoughts on what he can bring to the team? So he has experience. He won a Stanley Cup uh, in 09 with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's been a model of consistency. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with him as a player, but uh, him growing up or being you know, from Minnesota and playing for the Gophers and all that stuff, uh, he's just been a consistent two-way player, and um, I really enjoy the signing. I think he's going to be a steady presence on the blue line that needs a little bit of it now with uh, three key pieces departing Ian Cole signing with... Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes now. So you lose Susie Suter and him, and then you bring in a guy like that. I really like it. Uh, I, I know I have a lot of friends that train with him uh, in the off seasons, and goalies love him. So Cam Talbot's going to love him. Capo Kakinen's going to love him, and whoever else ends up playing. But um, I think he's averaging right around 30 points for each season for his entire career. So uh, just a really solid 2 way defenseman and uh, someone that I think is going to be very good for Minnesota this year. Yeah, from the games I saw him play, I watched him play, he's good. He's very, you're right, he's very consistent and he can score. I guess, I don't know, like, to me, like, maybe age is just a number. Like, maybe you can still, put, yeah. like, like, I know, like, for example, like, the reason, some of the reasons why they got rid of Suter is they felt they were going to have to cut his minutes and he's actually younger. So I guess I'm just, I know, like, I know Golgowski, he's very, he's a very good, consistent player. But I guess I was just, I'm just curious, like what they, what to expect from him in terms of playing time, like how much they expect the, the Wild expect him to contribute for this season. Yeah, um, I think he's gonna play upwards of 20 minutes every night. Um, I think they're gonna try to do it with their top four again. So he's now probably the final piece of that top four uh, with them. I don't know how much like, you know, power play time. I think they'll know. They'll leave that more, more so for Matt Dumba and Jared Spurgeon, um, the two right-handed shot defensemen. Uh, Jonas Brodeen's also very good on that. So I think more so he's going to play a lot of uh, even strength minutes, Goligoski, and he's going to play a lot of penalty kill minutes. Um, so I would expect him right around you know that 20-minute range every single night. 
and he's just going to be a guy out there um, that can kind of calm things down because the Wild are, you know, they've transformed into this kind of run-and-gun team that's exciting to watch. So they need someone like Oligoski back there and, uh, you know, doing some defending for them. Yeah, he sounds like a good player. Uh, it looks like the... So they have their their top four is pretty much set in stone now. So Spurgeon and Golagoski, and you have uh, and you have Brodine who's really good defensively. And you have a guy like Dunba who's solid defensively, but he's more so an offensive, uh, right shot guy. What will be interesting to me is how they fill the depth. You know, hearing looks like they're they probably a lot of guys they wanted they couldn't afford. It looks like they might try and trade for a bigger body. So I guess that's just that's something that's I'm still curious to see is, I guess, I guess just like with with this team like you could uh you're gonna need a lot of depth if you don't want to play guys so many minutes because so, I know in the past uh, one one of the drawbacks to losing guys like uh, uh, Susie and you, you get rid of Suter is you had a you had a, a plethora of depth in, on your defense so I'm just curious to see how they fill those last two spots on the defense. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, you know, maybe they go out and kind of sign some death guys for, you know, league minimum or so, right around, you know, that 750 to 900,000 range, which is strange because, you know, that's considered um, a minimum wage contract in the NHL, and it's, you know, they're making almost a million. So um, you, you see it with guys like Zach Bogosian, as you were talking about before. He took a lot less money to go and play for Tampa, and who wouldn't want to go do that? I think Minnesota is starting to become that. They obviously hasn't, they haven't won two Stanley Cups, let alone even, you know, had a chance at sniffing one other than 03. But I think they're becoming that team where, you know, people are going to want to come to, but the Wild are being smart about it, and they're not going to overpay people and, uh, you know, be burned like they have been in the past, um, you know, so. I think it will come via just small little depth signings, and then I do think they will make a couple trades, you know, um, whether, um, you know, as as you showed me this morning too, it doesn't really seem like they're interested in getting Eichel. So I think a lot of these guys are more so just kind of coming in, and it's going to be a lot of the younger kids. I think they're going to give them some pretty big roles going forward. Yeah, I think so. I think I know they they probably they have they've, down, they've downplayed it publicly, but I really think Kalen Addison is going to get some run this year. I don't know exactly how much run. I don't know. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. But I think of of the young kids we have in Rossi and Boldy and all these other young guys. I feel like Addison of Addison is primed of them to be to get the most uh, playing time. I feel. Yeah, correct. And then, you know, you got a young guy, too. I don't think he's ready yet, but you got Ryan O'Rourke, Damon Hunt playing in the minors now. Uh, You know, they they just absolutely stockpiled their defensive uh, prospects in the draft this year. I think they drafted right around four or five of them, but they're... They've just been doing a ton of work with that. They understand that they need to just eventually for these next two, three, four years, get guys on cheap contracts to contribute for them. Uh, so, you know, I think that's kind of the direction that they're going in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so look at the, the, the sort of the, the forward situation. Uh, I'm curious to see, like, uh, this God uh, Godreau. I'm not as familiar with him. I know I had been reading that they were, it was rumored that he was going to sign with the Wild for the last couple of weeks. 
I'm curious to see if they're still in on Foligno or if they're not in on him. Or, I guess I've I'm I I've never I've never felt they needed to trade for a number one center. I never bought the Eichel's hype just because of his his situation. So I like I guess I like the direction they're going. You get depth guys on the bottom six, and you depend on you depend on guys by committee. Um, do you think do you, number one? Do you think Foligno is still an option? You think just based on the the cap they have and like what what sort of what sort of the 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 big picture take you get from the signing of Godreau and the rumors we hear about uh, trades not happening and what have you? Yeah, so you know, uh, I I think Goudreau is going to be a really nice player. Uh, he played really well in the playoffs uh, for Nashville and then Pittsburgh as well this past year. So that's kind of exciting. Um, like you were alluding to before, I'm excited to see what happens with Nick Foligno. Um, I, I really do believe that the Wild are a top spot for him. Why wouldn't it? I mean, uh, uh, w- w- who wouldn't want to play with their brother, you know, at the NHL level on a good team and have all that stuff? So, y- you know, you look at it, there are teams after him, though. And especially now with Colorado losing their goaltender in um, – Philip Grubauer, they all of a sudden have some cap space to work with in that front. So maybe they up it by a million or something and they go and get a guy like Nick Felino. I think Nick Felino would be really nice on the Avalanche. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Minnesota. Uh, but if you add a guy like Nick Felino to that uh, middle six kind of core over there, I really enjoy that. And, you know, you got a guy like him, Frederick Goudreau, right handed. So I think I would like that if it shored up things a little bit there. Um, and then, like you said, with the, the no trade, I really do enjoy um, kind of just being patient because how many times have the Wild let go of prospects and then they go out and tear it up for the other teams that they could trade it to, right? I, I don't really right. think they want that to happen. And uh, I'm curious on your thoughts about uh, Marco Rossi just because I think he can be a very, very special player and luckily he's all healthy now and everything. What are your thoughts on him? I like him a lot. I guess from what I've heard, I don't know if he's ready just because – I think because he was sick, he with he had COVID, and obviously that's that scary situation with him. He hasn't played in eighteen months. I know the last time he played, uh, I want to say he played a little bit in the one of the Canadian leagues. Uh, was the yes, yep, he played uh, in the uh, OHL. OHL. Yep. Was it was it the OHL? They're all confused. I got messed up with all of them. They're uh, yeah with the multiple Canadian leagues. In that, yeah. So, uh, it was the Ontario Hockey League or the OHL, and he played for the Ottawa 67s there, and he was just fantastic. Um, many people thought he would have been in the NHL last year had he not had that scary, scary situation where he uh, you know, had to take care of himself and not play hockey for a bit. So uh, it, all signs do point to him competing for a roster spot this year. Yeah, I think so. I think, he's, I think it's, he's, he looks very promising. I don't think you can put him... On a first line right away, just it's, it's just it's it's. I would be hard for any young guy to be on the first line right away. I think, I think he'll make the team. I don't know necessarily if he'll be on the opening night roster. I'm not aware. Like I don't have any sources. I'm just basing on what I read in here. It doesn't sound like he'll be, like I don't know if he'll be ready opening night. I think what they, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to see Victor Rask on the first line. I just I don't. It's, he he scares me. I like Eck. I like him a lot. He's very, very good. But I don't know. I don't know what his ceiling is because he plays. 
you saw he Eck played very well with Marcus with 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 Marcus Foligno and with uh, Hartman last year. That line that he had it was very it was very lethal. So I'm not sure if you want to break that up and you want to. I guess if you want to move him up up a line or two, you could try that. I think. I think it's worth it's worth a shot seeing what Eck can do on the first line with because either way the way that they're trying to run things it seems to me like you wouldn't at least for this year or you would not have a natural center that you could play wings at if you have if you have gifted players like the Thrill assuming that they can bring him that they can uh, lock him up but assuming assuming that they lock these guys up the Thrill uh, Kaprizov and Fiala, they can they can handle the puck really well in spite of being on the wing. So it, it's it's not not a lot of guys can do that, and like they're they're not they don't they're not good at like facing off. Like you're you're probably gonna need somebody just inherently to face to handle the face offs. But I feel like when you're handling the puck, that you have guys on the wings and Kaprizov and Fiala who can handle it. So I guess I feel like you could put Eck on the first line, and if Rossi makes the team, he could be good on the lower lines. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see on him. But he, you're right. He's very. He looks very, very promising. I wouldn't want to give him up. Absolutely. And then if you get the other guy in there too, that was you know being asked for from Buffalo, uh, Matt Boldy. He's one of those guys like you're talking about, like Fiala and Kaprizov, where he can drive the play from the wing. Uh, he's very good on the side of the boards and can kind of even go down the middle. So uh, they have a ton of talent on the outside. If you do get a guy in there eventually, like, you know, Rossi or Kuznadinov, the Russian prospects that they have, um, it, it's going to be fantastic. And I don't, you know, necessarily need think you need to go out and acquire a player like Jack Eichel from that front. Yeah, I was, I was against Eichel from the beginning. I mean, he, okay. just me personally... Uh, I don't know what your th- you can you can tell me your your thoughts uh, here, but like just number one, his attitude that like he, he, if you're a captain on a losing team and just it's just that that scares me off. That just the moves that Billy has made since taking over is he's trying to clean up the locker room. That he's trying to make he's he wants guys who are very good culture guys. So that scares me number one, and then now now he has this this neck problem. So that just scares me. And then, do you have t- then a ten million dollar salary on top of all that? It's like I don't know. I don't. You're gonna have to gut like gut a lot a portion of your roster for a guy who has an iffy person, an iffy personality, and health problems. Yep. I don't. I didn't mind the idea for trading for center. I I personally would have rather traded for the other Buffalo center now former Buffalo center in Sam Reinhart, but it seems like that wasn't an option. Just. I guess I would have found try and find found a way to get Reinhardt if you were going to trade for a center, and I th- I still wonder down the road like you were talking that Arizona is trying to move uh, Darcy Kemper, and they're taking on some bad contracts for one year. They're trying to rebuild their rebuild the prospect pool. I wonder if down the road maybe somebody like uh, Dvorak might eventually be an option, but I just I th- I think. Whether it's one of their young guys that they have, like Rossi, or if they trade for somebody, I, I wasn't necessarily against trading for a center, if you know what I mean, but I just did not feel like Ico was the right guy at all to trade for. Yeah, that makes perfect perfect sense. Um, 
you know, you, you definitely got to be concerned about all that. And you want a center, you want someone good, but, you know, do you want to pay that much to go and get someone who you don't really quite know how he's, he's going to react if he has the surgery or someone, like you said, who has been in the losing culture for so long now that maybe it's just embedded in his head and that's very hard to come back from. So great points by you there um, on, on Eichel. Um, I, I mean... All costs aside, all that stuff, Eichel would look awesome next to Kaprizov, right? He really would. But then you factor in all the other stuff there, like you said, and that always kind of stood me back a little bit. And, you know, just talking to people, and they, they've done, finally done a good job at building a very good prospect pool up. It's the best prospect pool that I think they've ever had, um, you know, going all the way back to the Grandland, uh, Zucker, Coyle, uh, Brodeen, like Dumba, like those days, you know, where those guys are now mostly the core and then have been traded away even. So when you build up this group, I, I really get the feeling that they don't want to decimate the prospect pool. This is how they want to win and the reality is this is gonna how this is how they have to win going forward and play. Uh, because they need cheap contracts with those Parise and Suter buyouts that are going to absolutely just cripple them in the years three and four. So, um, absolutely. And then if there does come a chance, you know, where they give up, you know, a mid-round pick or a, a lower-end prospect for a guy like Christian Dvorak, sure, that, I'm fine with that. Uh, that's something that I think they should explore. I really like him as a player. I know not a lot of people do, but Dvorak, like you were saying, um, I, I like his game a lot, and that's someone I would be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. I think I I I don't know if necessarily they might they might still be trying to go out and get a center. We don't know. I think, but I think you're right. Like the previous regimes, like they've dumped away uh, the prospect pools, like trading traded away uh, draft picks, and not not to rip on Fletcher. I think actually, well, he's still doing that in Philadelphia, but that's that. That like if Fletcher would throw away draft picks like candy, it's just uh, like uh, the Palmville trade, like other trades. So, like you need if you want to build a team, a, a sustainable team. Like look at uh, like Tampa Bay, the way they want, the way they've won their two cups, is all over the years developed prospect pools. Like, you have a guy like Braden Point, a third round pick. You have all these guys on their team that are even lower round picks. So to me, like it doesn't make especially even especially with the with the large uh, chunk of money that uh, you're gonna lose on the cap for Parisian suitor. It's just it's it, it it would be very it would be very bad to just give away all the prospects that you have. It's if you want to build a team, you don't just build it for one guy and just give up all your young players. But I guess different 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 front office GM, different front office guys and different GMs have different philosophies on how to build a team, but just looking from the outside view as an observer, that's just what I what I think. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that too. Uh, so yeah, definitely a good analysis there, ma'am. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, it looks like they just did sign. I'm kind of keeping tabs here. Uh, Joe Hicketts to a two-year, two-way contract. He's one of those depth defensemen I was talking about, uh, you know, 7-8. Uh, someone that can fill in if you need him to, but not someone you want to play consistently, probably, in your top six. So they're already kind of making signs like that. And, you know, just building this team and going forward, it is really nice to... Um, and 
fans. I'm not sure if you saw this or anything, but uh, Bill Guerin, after the draft came out and pretty much just said, I have nothing to do with the draft really except for initiating you know, trades. I let Judd Brackett and the rest of the guys there that make these selections make the selections. I just kind of sit back and snack a little bit and have a couple beverages and stuff, and these guys do all the hard work. So I know from Judd Brackett's standpoint, he doesn't want to uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to lose any pick, even a seventh round pick. So um, that's that's certainly a, a new philosophy that we've seen here in the Minnesota Wild, and I think it's going to help them going forward because, like you, like you're saying with Tampa Bay too, how many unsigned guys or late round draft picks do they have that turn into just studs for them? Um, it's all about the scouting. I think that's how you build the foundation of a team is through the drafts and undrafted free agents. And then you complement that core group by, you know, trades here and there and then free agent signings as well. You don't want to make your team through trades and through free agency because that's when you get into trouble with contracts and stuff like that. Exactly. I think, I think, I feel like that's important. Number of, first of all, you're 100% right that I feel like that's the best, that's, that's, from reading the, I think it was Sia Stans, uh, who wrote the story behind the draft room, that I think that's what's going to make a guy like Billy so successful, is that he's delegating, that you have a, a, beautiful, a, a beautiful guy in uh, Judd Brackett who knows how to scout and his staff, and Billy lets them work. He delegates to the people who know, ta- who know talent. Um, then I feel like, yeah, you can't depend on free agents. I feel like all of the the situ the situation that the wild have been in, where like the farthest they went is the second round with in the Parisi Suter era with those guys and Grandland and uh, Zucker, all those guys. I feel like that's sort of where they messed up. Is it's great to get guys that you need at the time you need it, but yep. I feel like the time to go out and get a big player, whether a trade or free agency, is like after it's more so to supp- to supplement you guys. That's always been. That's always been the way I've I've seen it in terms of uh, basketball, football, baseball. Is it's I'm not you you always want to get big names, but you don't want to get big names and not and not have anything around them. You want to get uh, develop your own guys, and there's like a right time to do that. So I feel like the the system that they have in place is beautiful. I think you're you're 100 percent right on that. Absolutely, absolutely. So we just saw what Seattle did. I feel like a lot of people were quick to judge them off of their expansion draft, and they were saying, "Well, they didn't do what Vegas did." And you saw Vegas all these side deals and all these they they drafted a flurry, and you saw Seattle didn't do that at all, and people were judging them. But I feel like that's smart that they didn't want to use up their cap space in the expansion draft, so then they could could go out and get a Philip Grubauer. They could get a Jaden Schwartz and get these guys, and now you have extra uh, extra players that uh, the goalie they got from Wash they took from Washington, that he would be very uh, coveted. They could so now they have fit, still have fifteen million in cap space as of this uh, conversation, and they can they can just their team is even is really good just from the uh, what was your take I guess for last last week on them compared to now. So it's interesting, right? Because human nature, you want to compare them to the the last expansion team, which is the Vegas Golden Knights. You want to compare what they did and be like, wow, why didn't they do that? Why didn't they sign, you know, 
some big name players out there and do all that. Uh, you know, take on guys with bad contracts like Tarasenko. And uh, they went a different way. I think they're a very analytical group that they have there in Seattle. I think they go by, you know, a lot of the underlying numbers and stuff like that. Uh, they did a smart thing, I believe. They took a lot of quality defensemen, just, you know, top six, top four guys. So it just crossed my mind even right now, you know, then you get teams like Minnesota who strike out in free agency. Maybe they go out and make a trade with Seattle now, you know. I I'm not quite sure what they would want or if they would want to go back and maybe get Carson Soucy. I don't think that that'll happen, but, you know, something like that where they have all these extra guys, so now they can use those assets to then build, you know, through the center position and all that. So I, I think they're more so built like Ron Francis, um, creating a team that's more so a little bit gritty, not as skilled right away, but a team that's going to go out and compete. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. And I think they are built a lot like Minnesota was when they first came into the league. Um, a lot of hard players that just never really had a chance. And then they come in and get an elevated role, and they'll, they'll start to do that. But uh, the signings, I think, have been awesome. They have a franchise goaltender now. They have uh, Alexander Lindberg as a pretty good center for them. And they go out and get guys like Jaden Schwartz as well, who's a you know good top six winger. So they're building it slowly. And they're playing it smart by having um, a lot of cap space and then using that cap space to um, accrue, you know, solid players. Exactly. And they're doing what I think the trend is you see around the league now is you have to have, it used to be back in the day you had need to have one good goalie. Now, like the last 10, 15 years, every, you want to be a good team, you have to have two good goalies. And they have that with uh, Grubauer and, now they, and they have uh, Chris, uh, Chris Drieger, who they got from Florida. So you have the two guys that's... That's why I was I was so worried to lose a Capo in the expansion draft. Is I felt like I was so I was so even though I loved Susie as a player, I was more relieved that Seattle took him over Capo because I felt like number one just how little money your your uh, how how little how little uh, cap space and money that you yet that you're distributing to your goaltending, but just. Uh, the the battery that the the one two punch that uh, Talbot and Cabo had last year was great and I feel like any good team in the league has to have two good goaltenders so I like what I like what Seattle is doing in that sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm curious on your thoughts. Did would you rather have had them pick Susie over Kakinen? Are you happy that that happened? Oh, that, absolutely. Because for two twofold. Number one, that like I said, I feel like. Capo's really good. I think now I love what the the draft pick. The, from, I'm I wasn't as knowledgeable about the the uh, Wallstead, but just reading about him, I think he's going to be a stud, probably in two or three years. But I feel like Capo, he's still young. He's twenty four. He won sixteen games last year. He won you a ton of like nine games in a row. So he was a t really good when you needed him, and you're only paying him seven hundred thousand dollars this season. So I felt and. Susie, I feel like, I don't know, but I feel like it's easier to replace a guy, a guy like Susie in terms of money, that you're you're sending out two million in caps, two and a half million in cap space, whereas if you had to go out and get a backup goalie, like, for example, just throw out names, Braden Hobie and, and Braden Hobie was was bought out, somebody like that, right? just goalie X, 
if you sign a backup goalie, you're gonna have to pay him two million, two and a half million. So, I guess not. It's I'm not saying it's all about money, but I feel like having a young, controllable goaltender in Capo, I would have been very, very disappointed to lose him. Yeah, for sure. I think he hit it right on the head there, and you don't necessarily want money to mean everything, but that's the reality for the Wild now. So, uh, you know, I think they're over the moon about it. I was curious to see if maybe they made a side deal with them, uh, you know, to take Susie instead of Capo. But, you know, they made zero side deals, which I thought was interesting. And that's a that's a different um, a different way to go about building its team than Vegas did as well, because they had a ton of those. And they, yeah, I think they acquired like a first rounder, like four second rounders and then some uh, really good prospects like Shea Theodore at the time. And uh, Alex Alex Tuck. both. Yep, both are who are players now. So um, that's interesting in a sense alone is that they made no side deals and stuff like that. But um, it, it's gonna they're letting it marinate. It's going to be a slow build there, and I like that. Yeah, I do too. I think I think they were. I think a lot of teams around the league were scared off by what happened with Vegas, that they didn't want to do that again. And I know that Seattle was asking a lot of teams for a ton in the side deals. They're asking like for high picks and for example like I, I don't know what what players they were trying to get in side deals but I know that the asking price was huge so I can imagine that a lot of teams including the Wild that they were scared off from what happened with Vegas right absolutely they had to have been because they didn't want that to happen again for sure absolutely yeah so I I guess I don't know the spot that I feel like the Wild are in uh I feel like they're they're gonna be a young fast a fast team. I still think that there are some some uh, positions that they're deeper on than others, but uh, just looking at the, without knowing the the complete uh, signings and trades that are gonna happen next few days, just from how the skeleton of the roster right now, uh, how how high do you think this uh, this team can go uh, this this coming season? Uh, now that we're going back into the normal central division in 82 games but how high do you think uh, expectations should be for the wild uh, i think expectations should be um that you know they're probably not going to finish first i think they're still going to be battling for a playoff spot a little bit but the reality is, is that they do have a very good core very good defensive group and they have a very good uh goaltender in cam talbot and then capo if things uh kind of you know get rough a little bit there but uh, as long as they're scoring goals, as long as they're you know playing like they have under Coach uh, Everson, um, it, it's it's going to be a team that should make the playoffs. I, I don't necessarily know how good they're going to be in that sense, but in my eyes, they're a playoff team, and if they don't make a playoffs, it's a failed year. Absolutely. Do you think we should be scared? By the way, do you think we should be scared by Kirill? Do you think he's really? Do you think? Do you think eventually they'll come to an agreement? Like. What, what's your take on that? I think they will, um, and I, I'm not scared at all. Um, people, you know, in, in Minnesota are probably heartbroken just because they always get their hearts broken, uh, so they're thinking the worst there. Uh, but I, I really don't see a situation where Kirill goes back to Russia. Uh, he loves it here. He loves the culture that's happened, um, and he's not your typical Russian either. He's a very laid back, free spirited guy who just loves, you know, 
sitting in the backyard uh, on the lake, you know, drinking a couple Miller lights and stuff like that. So uh, he, he, he loves just the simple life here. Uh, he has a very good relationship with Captain Jared Spurgeon and the rest of those guys. Uh, they love him. So I think it's a match made in heaven here in Minnesota. And uh, eventually he'll have a very good center to play with, whether that's um, one of the younger guys like Rossi or Houston-Dinov, or maybe they do go out and try uh, and trade for someone. Maybe that is still Jack Eichel. We don't know, but uh, I, I'm not. I'm not scared at all. I think he's going to sign. Fiala is the more interesting one, in my opinion. Yeah, I think with Fiala, and I, I like him as a player, but I've I've felt like on the center search, that if you had to move to Fiala, I wouldn't be as heartbroken. If that makes sense, it depended on the, sense. huh? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it depend depending on the return you're going to get. But I felt like if you're going to have to get a good player, because I know that in the past they already had in the past a, uh, an arbitration a disagreement uh, with Fiala on his contract. Uh, I think was it two thousand? It was in two thousand nineteen that they had a disagreement. You know he he wants six million. It sounds like so he's a good player. But I felt like if the Wild don't feel like they have a certain price point to value him at. And they need to improve their roster in other places, like a center. Then I, th- in that sense, I would have I would have been okay moving on from him. But uh, having him on this team, he's a good player. So I guess yes, he I- is. I'm curious to see like the term on uh, on Kirill. I know he wanted a short term. I think he because wa- his agent is the same agent who represents uh, Panarin. So it sounds like they want that scenario. Whereas I know that the Wild they wanted to lock him up. They were. They were preparing. They were preparing to give him the Briggs truck, so I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see what the compromise is on that contract. I guess I'm. Inter- I'm interested to see if both Fiala and Kirill compromise. Like I'm. I'm curious to see how those situations maybe have more cap space and maybe maybe have less depending on what happens. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely, it will. You know, Kirill, they'll probably have to meet somewhere in the middle. He wants a little bit shorter of a deal so that he can uh, maximize it like Panarin did with uh, uh, New York Rangers. You know, but you're probably thinking it's going to be around a three, four-year deal in my opinion. And then you got a guy like Fiala, and I know Greenway's currently signed, but he's also another guy I think they're looking at, maybe the potential of moving for a center. Um, if you are going to get a center, it's going to be for a guy like Fiala. Uh, I think he gets you more than Greenway does, but uh, that's that's to be determined. Um, so we'll really see. Um, Fiala has been stingy in the past, like you said, him and his camp. You never really know who's the one being stingy, if it's the agent or the player. But um, I know the agents are out there because they're trying to make money too, so they want to hit a home run with every contract that they get. So. Uh, that'll be very interesting to watch and um, you know I, I think that once they do do that then they can go out and kind of get some guys as well here absolutely yeah it'll be obviously it's, when we're talking like the, it's free agency is only two hours old so more 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 craziness can happen between now and between now and then uh, Jake appreciate your time uh, also before I let you go uh, what's the latest on the issue with the Celine Dion uh, that that thing I know you uh, you guys over there had that uh, the, the 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 account was messed up that the it got locked out what's what's I know you're 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 with the you're uh, with those guys I'm curious what 
do you know like what's going on with that situation like what, what's going on yeah it's interesting so jack boss man has been filling us in with all the stuff that uh is going on and uh they did a video i believe of uh oh i forget what the video was it was something with bubba um and they used one of her songs in the clip and it was like you know three and a half months ago or so it didn't go viral or anything but apparently she and her agency have been going around and getting people banned left and right for using her song without giving her proper credit um i, I think it was uh, the song my love will go on if i'm not mistaken i think it's the yep. song in the titanic movie um but so we're still locked out of the main account right now, trying to get that back. We did fire up a second account. Uh, a burner. Takes one. Yep, we got a burner account happening right now, so we've been putting all of our content on that. Uh, but, you know, we're really hoping to get that old account back because they, um, you know, I've only been there for a couple months now, but uh, Jack, Zane, and Jake have worked so hard at just building that up from, you know, a- absolutely nothing to what it is now. and. It happened at a pretty pretty bad time, right when they started to get everything cooking and all that. Uh, but just a minor setback for a major comeback, in my opinion. So uh, we'll we'll find out. We'll try to get everything uh, back on track. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you guys you you guys do great work over there. You you yourself included. You guys you guys all do great work. So I'm I'm uh, hoping to see you guys continue their, your success. Thank you so much again, Jake, for your your expertise and your time on your day off. I appreciate you blessing us with your presence. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Amir. Anytime. It's, it's been a blast. It's always fun to talk hockey and someone as passionate as you are. So um, it, it's very fun. And thanks again for having me. Anytime. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, glad for glad Jake could join us on uh, short notice. Uh, free agents, NHL free agency, hot and heavy t- today. Actually, this week is probably the craziest sports week. Usually, every other year, July, end of July, it's very sleepy, nothing going on. But, man, every single sport has something. NBA draft tomorrow night. NBA free agency on Tuesday. The Olympics are hot and heavy. We've got uh, swimming, got uh, swimming and basketball, gymnastics, all the, all the heavy hitters in the, in the Olympics going on. NHL free agency just started today. MLB, the MLB trade deadline is Friday. NFL training camps, the Vikings training camp just started, it will start tomorrow. So it's like every single sport has been going on. So I've been pretty quiet on the podcast for a few weeks and there's been a good reason for that. Just it's been sort of silence in Minnesota sports recently until just recently. And I went to Egypt. Uh, I'll tell you about, a little about that just now. Uh, we went last minute. Uh, for unfortunate circumstances for going. Uh, my grandmother, uh, she's not doing well. She hasn't been doing well the last few years, but she's not doing well. My uncle decided he was going to travel there, so my dad said, uh, Dad thought it'd be a good idea for her to see her three children together, possibly for the last time, and uh, he wanted me to go with him. As I hadn't really gotten a chance to bond with my father, so I went there. A lot of good, a lot of bad. Unfortunately, she's not doing well. She didn't talk much. She's sad because I, I remember her when I was younger being a so very uh, vibrant, voracious, lovely, uh, lively person. And now she just sits, just lies on her bed. But everything else was, in, it was an interesting trip. Uh, Egypt, very hot, but I like it hot better than I like it cold. 
That's that's for sure. I mean, I've walked on campus at the U of M below below twenty. My hands uh, my hands in in throbbing pain. So I'll I'll take the hundred degrees any day. I will. Uh, eat a lot of good food and just gotta be back here. Uh, hoping for hoping uh, hoping that uh, these Minnesota teams can give us something to talk about these next few days. Uh, so we'll be locked and loaded. So, well, thank you guys so much again for listening. Uh, we'll be drop uh, be, uh, be, uh, be be on the lookout be on the lookout for more podcasts in the next few days, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Assalamu alaikum.